Dear Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of life. And we know that it's not because of our goodness or mercy or holiness, but in your great love and faithfulness, you have spared us and given us another day to live in. Lord, we pray that our lives shall be used to the glory of your holy name. In time past, we, like your word says, the time past has already been enough for us to serve diverse lusts, but now, Lord, we want to serve you. We pray, Father, that as we go through the words of our devotion, that we shall receive strength for that purpose. We are on a journey. We have a lot in our characters that need to be taken off and some things in our character that we need to have. I pray, Father, that as we study, you shall teach us that we shall grow into the fullness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May your words be upon my lips, Lord, that it may be a blessing to all your children who will be listening. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished. 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 27 Twice David had Saul in his power, but when urged to slay him, he had refused to lift his hand against him who had been consecrated by the command of God to rule over Israel. David's grief at the death of Saul was sincere and deep, evincing the generosity of a noble nature. He did not exult in the fall of his enemy. The obstacle that had barred his access to the throne of Israel was removed, but at this he did not rejoice. Death had obliterated the remembrance of Saul's distrust and cruelty, and now nothing in his history was thought of but that which was noble and kingly. The name of Saul was linked with that of Jonathan, whose friendship had been so true and with life at the peril of his own, steadfast at his father's side through the dark days of his declining power, and at his side falling at the last. The name of Jonathan is treasured in heaven, and it stands on earth a witness to the existence and the power of unselfish love. The song in which David gave utterance to the feelings of his heart became a treasure to his nation and to the people of God in all subsequent ages. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of battle? Jonathan is slain upon the high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen, and the weapons of war perished. Amen. The title of our devotion is A Friend Mourns. We left off with looking at the death of Saul. He killed himself, but Saul was just someone. Jonathan didn't see it as any shame on himself to be killed by the Philistines. Saul left himself with the guilt of self-murder at the time of his the end of his life. 
Saul could have even at that time pleaded with God and said, Lord, just like Samson, at the time of his death, pleaded with God and asked for forgiveness. And Samson was able to kill more than he killed when he was alive. Saul, the same thing with Samson. What did he do? Instead, he killed himself. That was what he did. His his sons did not kill themselves because to them, that would have been sin. But the pride of Saul was reaching to the heavens. And he said to himself, as if it was a big deal, like they say, all dying are die. Why will Saul say to himself, I don't want the Philistines to be the one that will kill me? And then he killed himself. At the end, what happened? They still saw his body, cut off his head, took his armor, and hung his body in the temple of their God. So what's the difference? Pride is such a terrible thing. You start to see big things in things that are nothing. What is the big deal in the Philistines killing him? Which one was even better? Saul instead, in his pride, thought that the best thing was for him to kill himself. You see what pride can do? 1 Samuel chapter 31 verse 11 to 13 says, And when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. Now in 2 Samuel chapter 1, reading from verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, after the death of Saul, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had abode two days in Ziklag, it came even to pass on the third day, that behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul, with his clothes rent, and earth upon his head. And so it was, when he came to David, that he fell to the earth, and did obeisance. And David said unto him, From whence comest thou? And he said unto him, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. And David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, That the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. And David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan his son be dead? And the young man that told him said, as I happened by chance upon Mount Gilba, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called unto me. And I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me, for anguish is come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So, I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head and the bracelet that was on his arm, and have brought them hither unto my Lord. Then David took hold of his on his clothes and rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and Jonathan for Saul and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. If we understand the relation between Saul and David, then we will have a different outlook towards those Psalms that David wrote where he talked about his enemies. Who was an enemy of David, like King Saul? 
that haunted his life like he haunted beast of prey. But yet, when Saul died, David mourned. Some people use the Psalms to excuse their murderous, wicked mindset. They read Psalms where David wrote about his enemies prophetically. That is referring not to his immediate enemies, but they use those Psalms to refer to their personal enemies today, requesting that the Lord will slay them and the Lord will kill them and the Lord will do this evil or that evil to them. But look at the behavior of David now. When his own enemy that had haunted his life like the beast of prey died, David did not rejoice. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 17 and 18 says, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. David wrote a psalm concerning this, and that song he told that it should be published all over Israel because of Saul and Jonathan in 2 Samuel 1 verse 17. And David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan his son. Also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. The beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Let the, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, which is where Saul dwelt, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O Jonathan, thou wast slain in the high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen, and the weapons of war perished. Such a lamentation should come from the lips of Christians, even when their enemies fall. When we were looking at the life of Nabal and we studied that which was titled Divine Vengeance, we learned a lesson there that the Lord taught us that when our enemies, when we have enemies, we should do good to them. And one lesson I remember is that we should speak well of them. Saul is dead and even before his death, Saul was regarded highly by David even though he was an enemy to him. We learn a lesson here to speak well of all men. David is not speaking ill of King Saul. He is not rejoicing in the death of King Saul. He is remembering the good deeds, not the evil. And he says, You daughters of Israel, 
weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet, with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. He talks of the good deeds of Saul. Let us remember to speak well of those who are evil to us. Let us not allow our eyes to behold the evil that they do. Let us focus on the good. Because when we focus on the evil, there's every tendency that we can become as evil as they are. Saul had good things about himself. Saul had the part of him that was still noble and good. Jesus himself said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the Father give good gifts to, his, to those that ask him and give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Saul had the good part of him and it was this that David remembered. So we learn a lesson. Let us remember the good part of people and not the evil. Another lesson we learn here is that when our enemies fall, we shouldn't use it as an opportunity to attack them. Reading from Testimonies Volume 2, page 110, paragraph 1, it says to a certain brother, Brother V, I was shown that you had a proud heart, and when you thought your writings were slighted at the review office, your pride was touched, and you commenced a warfare which has been like Saul's kicking against the pricks. You have joined hands with those who turned the truth of God into a lie. You have strengthened the hands of sinners and opposed the counsel of God against your own soul. You have been warring against that of which you had no knowledge. You have not known what work you were doing. While engaged in this warfare, you were not increasing in spirituality and devotion to God. You had not the witness that your ways pleased God. You had a zeal, but not according to knowledge. You had no experience in my calling and had scarcely seen me and had no knowledge of my work." End of quote. So here is someone who is like King Saul, not like David, who, when he hears something evil about someone who he feels rebukes him, will want to take that as an opportunity to attack. Proverbs 26 verse 18 says, As a madman who casted firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, I'm not I in sport, or I was just joking. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So, where there is no tail-bearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tail-bearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Burning lips and a wicked heart are as potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Whose hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso digeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone it will return upon him. A lying tongue hated those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth walketh ruin. Here, concerning this brother who took opportunity, took advantage of the things he heard about another person that were bad in their life and decided to publish it because his pride was touched, just like King Saul's pride was touched, and decided to commence a warfare against David and against God. There are today those who will do the same thing. But we learn from the life of David that that's not what we are supposed to do. We are not to take advantage of when we hear our enemy falling and use the information we hear about them, publish it. David said, publish it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, tell it not. What are you doing? When you hear about your enemy falling, perhaps a pastor rebuked you, perhaps a brother has been preaching the truth, 
telling you how you ought to conduct yourself and you have been offended with that sister or brother now you heard something about them they have fallen into a scandal they have fallen into some evil that they have sinned against the lord if you are not like king david what will you do you will be the first person to go and publish it everywhere telling everyone in rejoicing because you have considered the person that corrected you your enemy and now with lying lips you go around spreading it this is what this brother was doing and you too commence a warfare david did not commence a warfare against saul when he heard about the fall of saul he said let's not talk about it when you hear the fall of your of a pastor or a minister or a brother especially those who are the anointed of the lord what do you do when you publish it are you doing the work of god or are you doing the work of the devil when you speak about it with your friends are you doing the work of god or the work of the devil if you don't publish it who will know but when you keep publishing it is that not when you are going against god to do things that are not in harmony with god's will to spoil the influence of a brother sometimes they are even lies and you go about publishing the lies it just shows that you consider the person an enemy but david did not consider saul his enemy and he did not want to publish anything that has to do with a thing that will bring shame to saul even in his death let us not talk about it in the gath don't go to the unbelievers those who have hated the preacher of truth and then go there to speak with them and tell them oh this is what he did has he not fallen now is he not committing adultery is he not doing this or that you are like a philistine when you do that reading from testimonies volume 2 page 106 paragraph 1 it says when we sin against god there is a disposition to fall behind jesus a day's journey we seek to separate from his company because it is distasteful for every ray of light from his divine presence points to the sin of which we have been guilty satan exalts over the sins which he has induced souls to commit and he makes the most of all these failures and sins he rehearses them to the angels of god and taunts them with the weaknesses and failures he is in every sense an accuser of the brethren and exalts over every sin and wrong which god's people are beguiled to commit you brother v have been engaged in this same work to quite an extent you have taken what appeared to you like wrongs weaknesses and errors in the ranks of sabbath keeping adventists and have brought them to the notice of the enemies of our faith who were warring against that company unto whom angels of heaven were ministering and whose cause jesus their advocate was pleading before his father he cries spare them father spare them they are the purchase of my blood and lifts to his father his wounded hands you have been guilty before god of a great sin you have been taking advantage of those things which grieve which bring anguish upon the people of god as they see some of their numbers unconsecrated and frequently overcome by satan instead of aiding these erring souls to get right you have triumphantly made their errors conspicuous to those who hated them because they professed to keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus you have made it very hard for those who were engaged in the work of saving the erring hunting up the lost sheep of the house of israel end of quote the lesson here is we are not to take advantage of the failings of those who we think have been opposed to us when we do this we displease god especially is, the, is this the case of those who hate correction and reproof 
reading from Testimonies, Volume 2, page 109, paragraph 1, it says, As it was a crime for Amalek to take advantage of the children of Israel in their weakness and weariness, to annoy, perplex, and discourage them, so it was no small sin for you to be closely watching, to discover the weakness, the haltings, the errors and sins of God's afflicted people and expose them to their enemies. You were doing Satan's work, not the work of God. They have been miserable representatives of the truth. They have not been an honor to the cause of present truth and the cause would have been better off without them. End of quote. So the lesson we learn from here is, as I have been saying, do not rejoice at the fall of your enemy. Especially should we not rejoice at the fall of our one who has been anointed of God, who has been preaching the truth and falls. We shouldn't publish it like he says. Publish it not in Gath, tell it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Another lesson we will learn is we shouldn't think that we should we can gain favor from God by bringing down the people who we consider our enemies to people in position. In 2 Samuel 1, reading from verse 13 to 16, David said unto the young man, that one who told him about the death of King Saul and lied to him because he didn't kill Saul. He said he was the one that killed Saul. And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger and Amalekite. And David said unto him, How was thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth has testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. After the death of Saul, Abner, the captain of, king's guard, of the king's guard, made Ishbosheth the king of Israel, while David was made the king of the people of Judah. Eventually, Abner was killed by Joab, and the son of King Saul, Ishbosheth, who was king, was also killed by two men. These men also thought they were going to do a favor to David by killing Ishbosheth, the son of King Saul. Second Samuel chapter four verse five says, "And the sons of Rimon, the Berothites, Rechab and Banna, went and came about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who lay on the bed at noon. And they came thither into the midst of the house as though they would have fetched wheat, and they smote him under the fifth rib. And Rechab and Banna, his brother, escaped." For, they, for when they came into the house, he lay on his bed in his bedchamber, and they smote him, and slew him, and beheaded him, and took his head, and got them away through the plain all night. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth unto David to Hebron, and said to the king, Behold, the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, thine enemy, which sought thy life. And the Lord had avenged my lord the king this day of Saul, and of his seed. And David answered Rechab and Bana his brother, the sons of Rimon the Berothite, and said unto them, as the Lord liveth, who had redeemed my soul out of all adversity. When one told me, saying, Behold, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good tidings, I took hold of him and slew him in Ziklag. Who thought that I would have given him a reward for his tidings? How much more, when wicked men have slain a righteous person in his own house upon his bed? Shall I not therefore now require his blood of your hand, and take you away from the earth? And David commanded his young men, and they slew them and cut off their heads and their feet and hang them up over the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried in the sepulchre of Abner in Hebron. You see these men? They were selfish, self-serving men. Abner was not any different anyway. He also was with Saul trying to kill David. Because he was reproved by Saul's son, he turned against him and these other men 
who killed Ishbosheth were no different. They took advantage of Ishbosheth's weakness. They could not be trusted. Remember when David behaved wisely before Saul, there was something he said in Psalms 101 verse 4 and 5. He said, A froward heart shall depart from me, I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that had an high look and a proud heart will I not suffer. And he said, I will early destroy the wicked from the land. These two men were wicked men. Some of us don't understand that when you people come to you, because these two men are like gossips for us today, if we apply it to ourselves. People who come to slander other people and destroy them before us because we th- they think they are bringing news to make enemies for us or bring news about our enemies that we will use against them. If we would remember that those who are quick to talk about others and slander them would just be as quick to slander us, we will do the same thing David did. What David did is exactly what we're supposed to do to gossips because gossips are like killers. They come to destroy other people before us. And when they do that, what should we do? Like David, they themselves should be destroyed. And you tell them, get away from me with your evil tidings. Get away from me. Because when you surround yourself with such people, you are going to be their next victim when it is at a favorable time for them. These were wicked men who Saul surrounded himself with. They did not know the fear of God. They were mercenaries. They didn't care for anyone but themselves. From here we learn the lesson that we shouldn't receive favors from wicked people or wicked favors from people. Understand that those who come to you because they have a failing or fall out with one of their friends will also do the same to you. These were Judas's, all of them. Abner, Banner, Rechab and the Amalekites thought to bring good news to David about his enemy that they have slain them. They hoped to gain favor from David. Those who carry tales of evil to increase discord or to create one or to credit themselves to our hearts should not be tolerated. When people do evil, we should not look at how the evil act favors us and forget that evil was done. A righteous person will not do this. So that's one lesson. Another lesson we have from here is one we haven't talked about enough and that is Jonathan. We are also reminded of the beautiful character of Jonathan. The quality of self-abnegation and seeking God's glory above one's personal glory. Jonathan heard of what Samuel told his father that the kingdom was no longer for his family. How many would hear this and not be offended with David? Because he was not seeking his own glory, it was no big deal for him. He was glad for the prosperity of the kingdom above his personal glory. He loved David and protected the heir to the throne. He submitted himself to him and gave him the faithfulness of a true friend. Jonathan heard all the evil reports that his father heard about David. But as a true and trusted friend, he did not credit it. He rather trusted David and defended him. In the book Education, page 156, we read, On the record of those who through self-abnegation have entered into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, stand one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, the names of John, Jonathan and John the Baptist. Jonathan by birth, heir to the throne, yet knowing himself set aside by the divine decree to his rival, the most tender and faithful of friends, shielding David's life at the peril of his own, steadfast at his father's side through the dark days of his his declining power and at his side falling at last. The name of Jonathan is treasured in heaven and it stands on earth a witness to the existence of the power of unselfish love." It is this unselfish love that many ministers ought to have today. 
It is this unselfish love that many who are leaders ought to have. There are many who are envious of position. Jonathan was not like this. Jonathan was pleased as far as the work was being done. And I want to speak again to ministers today. You see many ministers who are jealous and envious. They feel, oh, I don't want anybody to do my work. Jonathan was not like this. All he cared about was that the work was done. It doesn't matter whether it was by him or not by him. There is too much hatred against people today who we feel may be doing the work that belongs to yourself. And because of that, you are envious of them. Jonathan was not like that. He was unselfish. It didn't matter to him that he was not the one receiving the praise. All that mattered was that the work of God was being done. It reminds me of Moses. Moses was also like this. When the Lord gave the spirits unto the 70 prophets and they started to prophesy, Joshua came to Moses and said, We need to stop them. They are also prophesying. And Moses, Moses told Joshua, Envious thou for my sake, I wish that all Israel were prophesying. This is the spirit that we are to have. We are not to covet position. We are not to covet work and feel like I want to be the only one who is doing this so that I will feel proud about it. That's what the flesh does. The flesh doesn't want to hear that his glory is taken away from him. We like to take position to ourselves and we don't want any other person to take our glory. Jonathan was not like this. And if we want the work of God to be done today, we will not be looking at the fact that somebody is doing it like John also tried to do when he told Jesus, I, I saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him. Jesus said, no, don't forbid him. There's no one who can use my name for my work that is not with me. He that is not with me is against me. But the person was for him. It doesn't matter which clique that you think the person is. Jonathan was not with David for so many years after David fled. But he was still in support of David's work. Even though David was placed higher than himself. Even though he was supposed to be the next king. But the Lord chose David above him. Jonathan did not rebel against God. Instead, he didn't even just keep quiet. But instead, he protected David. He removed his armor and gave David and blessed David. And allowed David to be the next king. This is a lesson for us that we should have self-abnegation. We should have that spirit that is more interested in seeing the prosperity of God's work than seeing our own personal glory. May God help us that we should have this spirit of Jonathan, the spirit of self-abnegation. And let us not follow a multitude to do evil. Let our pride not kill us like it killed Saul. And remember, Rejoice not when your enemy falls. Do not take pride in hearing of the bad news of people's lives when you hear that they have fallen. It should not make you rejoice. It should not make you laugh. It should not make you to feel good. But you should have pity and mercy on them who have fallen like David had towards King Saul. And let us remember to speak well of our enemies as David did about King Saul. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, I pray that all the lessons we have learned now, you will give us the grace to put it in practice. In time past, we may have used the Psalms as a club on our enemies. Now we are learning that we shouldn't rejoice when our enemy falls. I pray, Lord, forgive us for doing that and help us to make a change in our lives. Put in us that spirit of self-abnegation that Jonathan had, that we may remove our pride and desire for self-exaltation, that we will be happy to see the prosperity of others even if it is not us, but I will be happy to see the work of God move forward. Help us, Lord, in this matter, that we may become more like you. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.